Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We've got a real cool guest sitting on our couch after being away for a couple weeks. We got Vince Vaughn and uh, and the the Wilson boy. You know, now, name, now it sounds like it's Owen Wilson, but now it sounds like Owen we have Wilson. Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson on our couch. Do you know, the, do you know that scene in this <laughs> like movie? coming? Do you know the scene in the movie, in this movie, where he does the whole motorboarding thing on, yeah. the, on oh, the stairs? Yeah. He didn't want to do that scene. He thought this scene was stupid he went to the director he's like this is dumb like this is like i don't want to do this scene like how do i go from being really mad that i just got jacked off under the table at the dinner table to asking about her hooters he's like i can't make this work i can't make this work and the director's like just 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 do what you can do what you can and just go with it it's going to be good and one take boom you know when i saw That's this story i saw this scene. movie in theaters whenever that was i don't even know what year it came out but i was with my best friend and it was just the two of us that particular scene, I remember that everyone in the theater was laughing so hard. Like there was a guy in front of us. Like I thought somebody was going to have to like give him the Heimlich. I'm pretty sure he was choking on his popcorn. Like everybody was laughing. But so now hard. go watch the scene now knowing that because you see like you can see the actor in him was just like, how do I go from being angry and yelling at his the character's name is John Owen Wilson's John. I think so. Yelling at him to be to suddenly like, so how were they? Were they good? Were they built for speed or comfort? <laughs> Did you motor about them? <laughs> anyway. Oh, my God. How do we so go go watch? Go watch that scene again. Boating. Go watch that scene and it'll change your perspective on it a little bit. I'm going to have watched this movie in a long time. Anyway, hey everyone, it's Amanda and we're back in office. As Mark said, after a couple of weeks of being away, our guest Megan, when she walked in, I said, I, I'm sorry, I don't even know where things are right now. Like I haven't been here in a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, you're the first person sitting on our couch since our vacation. So if we're not making any sense, you might have to keep us on track. All right. I'm also on vacation. Oh, okay. Well, now I feel bad. This is great. We're on a couch. It's easy peasy. <laughs> nice. I dig it. I dig it. So I want to tell a really quick story before we jump into talking to Megan today. And I told her I was going to do this in the There's intro. There's a long form format. It doesn't, yep. have to be, it doesn't have to be quick. Okay, it's fine. I, I, I will tell the story at an appropriate length <laughs> yes, yes. of how Megan came to be here. So when I was a massage therapy student, so I started massage therapy school in 2008. I graduated in 2010. So somewhere in that time frame. Um, one of my good friends, Christina, asked me if I wanted to go to a yoga class with her. At the time, I was living at Young and Eglinton, and the class was, I think, at Chester and Danforth. So it wasn't too bad of a drive. And I had done yoga previously with another one of my good friends at a studio she worked at, and I didn't really have a fantastic experience. I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want it. But anyway, I agreed to go to this class with her, and it was uh, a moksha class. So it was hot yoga, very hot. And I was worried about that too, because I think the heat initially was giving me a little bit of anxiety. And she said, don't worry, we'll show up 15 minutes before, get some time to get used to the room. Don't worry. And actually, I think we started out with a lower heat class. I, I think so. Like a yin yin yoga. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. We started out with something a little easier so I could get used to it. So anyway... I go to this class and I don't have um, I don't have high expectations. I haven't had good experiences with yoga. Like I'm I'm going there because my friend asked me to come, but I wasn't really excited to do it. Up to this point, there was nothing about yoga that was appealing to me. I never had a good experience. So anyway, we go in this class. In comes this instructor, Megan, and we start doing the class. Throughout the class, and again, she doesn't remember this, and I don't expect her to. You've taught how many students, but throughout the class, she would come over and not force me into the posture, but like using her hands, like she would ask consent, but like put her hands on my back and say like, I want you to feel this lengthening this way, or I want your hips to angle this way. And it was like the gentlest corrections that suddenly it was like, bam, body awareness. I'm like, oh, Oh, that's how that's supposed to feel. But it was the simplest little things. And after the class, I said to Christina, like, wow, like that was totally different than any other yoga class. So anyway, we started coming to your classes specifically. I would only go if you were teaching for months. And then she ended up coming and getting massage treatments from you. And she was like, oh, my God, she's incredible. She makes you feel like your arms are floating. Fast forward years later, I become a therapist. I moved out of that neighborhood. So I stopped coming to your classes probably thought I would never see you again. And years later, I am listening to one of my friend's podcasts, the Radical RMT. Right. And I'm hearing you talk and I looked at the picture and I'm like, oh my God, that's Megan, the yoga instructor. So from there, I don't even know how long ago you were on that podcast. It had to be over a year ago. It was. I think it was it was beginning of COVID. Yeah. It was a yeah. long time ago. But from there, I reached out and I was like, oh my God, 
I need to get you on my podcast. And I don't know why it took us this long, but here she is sitting on our couch on vacation. Isn't it interesting how, like just talking back about the the cues that, that worked for you, yep. about just that the, the simplest touch like just brings that awareness into yep. the area and you don't have to force it or do nope. anything or push. It's just like your brain wasn't doing that yet. It wasn't connected to that part. Yep. It was so interesting. And every other yoga instructor up to that point, as I told you, I hadn't had a good experience. I've always had, I have a uh, very flat feet. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like when I was going into those balanced postures, one, I would get really nervous because I've, I had convinced myself I have really bad balance. And so anytime I had to get into a yoga pose where I was on one foot, my foot would start to spasm. My feet would hurt. It would send like pain up my legs. Like it was horribly uncomfortable. And I remember going to you at the end of the class and I said, tell me what I can do about my feet. And again, you gave me just a few little tips about like, you know, where to feel my weight, how to put my toes, like all of these simple little things that made it, I mean, I wouldn't say suddenly I was a pro, but bearable. Whereas every other instructor had said to me, it takes practice, they'll get stronger. I'm like, they're not getting stronger. They're hurting more. This isn't helpful. Yeah. So thank if you. you practice, like practice well. Right. Because you can just practice bad habits over and over again, get really bad at bad habits or yep. really great at bad habits. Yep. But if you have something to focus, also something to focus on, too. Right. Could be like that subtle little cue. And then your brain is not overwhelmed by like, oh, my God, I'm going to fall over and make a domino effect in this whole classroom. Because I think about that, too. I'm like, if I take everybody down, this is going to be bad. That's always <laughs> what I think. I'm getting into one of these postures and I'm like, please say I'm close enough to a wall yeah. or something that I'm not going to take everybody out. But yeah, it was those little Cues. Can't you just like put your other foot down and that'll stop it all? Also, you can also. But okay, what about if you're in Why does like? Why have to be like? I'm trying to stay. If I'm in like a dancer's pose and I'm holding my foot, maybe I can't get it down fast enough. I, I don't, don't know. know. I'm just asking. asking. I don't know anything about yoga. I don't fucking know. Trust me. There's sometimes where you know you might not be able to get your foot down fast enough, and you are gonna fall. But anyway. Megan is the reason. So that was what, like I said, probably 11, 12 years ago. And since then, I started doing yoga regularly because it was little pieces of body awareness that I just didn't have before that. I think also going through massage therapy school and like forcing myself to understand my body a little more was helpful. Yes, I had a degree in kinesiology, but my exercise up to that point had always been weightlifting. I had never done anything slow like yoga. So it was, anyway, it was you that got me into yoga. Prior to that, I freaking hated it. So when I heard you on Krista's podcast, I'm like, must find, get her on podcast. Oh, that's such a beautiful story. I love that. And are you still practicing yoga? Um, No. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> Not because I don't want to. Um, The studio right down the street that you probably passed on the way coming here literally three minutes from here. I had a membership there up until COVID, canceled it. I did a little bit of yoga at home at the beginning of COVID and then literally stopped all exercise, period. So um, yeah, I think it's probably about time to get back into it. What do you think? Uh, sure. <laughs> I'll send you a link to my classes. Oh, okay. Online. Oh, online classes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I should probably no do that. Then I have no excuse. <laughs> mm -hmm. Although I do like the feeling of really being in a studio and being around other people. I think that's why I always did that. Because yeah, you can always work out at home, but I just don't. Yeah, it's nice having like a time on the schedule that's like fixed. You mm -hmm. got to go and you got to like, there's all the process that gets you there and there's like a ritual around it. Yeah, it's a whole it's thing. Important. I'm the reverse. I hate a ritual when it comes to exercise. It's a turn off for me, a ritual. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that was always my thing when I was working out a lot. I needed to just be on the fly. I feel like going, I'm going to go right now. And the stuff that would turn me off is I got to pack a bag. I got to bring this. I got to put that. Da, 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 and I got to leave this time for, for parking or traffic. And then I would just be like, fuck it. So it was always better for me to just constantly wear workout clothes. And be like, if I ever feel like going, I'm just going to go right now. Just drop and do push-ups anywhere you go. Well, I, it, would, it would be at the gym. Like, just, so oh, it would no, be no, like no. That I exists would... too. I've actually watched you walk out of this office, go pick up the dumbbells yeah, over there and like just, start doing shoulder presses I out just, of nowhere. You know, but for me, it's always, it's, like it's, it's the, 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 the ritual actually kills it for me. So I took a training. So I owned the, the Moksha studio while you were going there. And I took a training in Halifax and it was two weeks of hot yoga. We had to do it twice a day. And so this is the first time in a very long time that I had to carry my like sweaty wet clothes and like towels 
twice a day back and forth and do all the laundry. And I was like, oh my God, this is heavy. Mm. This is a pain. I'm like, I had a whole new respect for my students. So I was like, wow, this is like the process that that this practice takes. Yep. And I was like, wow, because I just had my stuff there. I had a, a little cubby. Right. And that's where everything went. And our our um our whole exchange program, like just it went through the whole the whole the whole process behind the scenes. And and I was like, wow, that's a lot of work to do this. It's a big commitment. It is a lot of work. And the studio down the street, as I said, when I was a member there, um, I would go there between clients. So I was even showering there because it's not like I could come back here and treat somebody like smelling like hot yoga. So I would have to bring like my soap and my shampoo. I mean, they had some stuff there sometimes. Right, you see, I traveled with all sucks. my stuff. Yeah. It sucks. That's that I'm telling you, that's the one thing that I always hated about going to the gym and then I just stopped doing it is to have all the shit with me constantly and dragging it around and setting a time. I fucking hate it. But, and again, we've always, I, I feel like that's again a personality thing because Mark's like that where I'm sure if you've ever listened to any episodes before you've heard, he's the kind of guy that like to you know at three in the morning if the creative juices are flowing and like the mood strikes he'll start editing or doing something making a video at three o'clock in the morning whereas I'm a lot more structured I will have like a list of things I want to get done and I'm like okay I'll do this on Monday I'll do this I'll work out this day I'll like I'm a lot more structured because if I can see it and it's in my calendar I'll do it I've actually had friends say to me like when you say you're going to do something you do I always do what I say I'm going to do. So if it's there and I've written it down and or it's in my phone calendar, I'm going to do it. That's the only way that I like work out or do anything if it's I'm scheduled. like a blend. I feel like the making of the schedule is what like organizes my brain, but then I just kind of like I've already done my Thursday like list, but I didn't do my Monday list. I was like, oh, I don't feel like doing this. And so I did that. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, I get to cross that off. But then I still have to do that. But if I didn't <laughs> write it down, <laughs> if I didn't write it down, I'd be like reading a book. Yeah. <laughs> like not doing anything. So maybe before we go any further, we should actually do an introduction. So you guys all know now her name is Megan. She's the founder of Slow Medicine Company, which I now follow on all my social platforms because now I know it's you. Yay. And um, she's a registered massage therapist. Obviously, now you can tell she teaches yoga or I don't know if you still do, but we'll get into that. So for everybody listening and maybe people who didn't hear you on the Radical RMT, can you give us an introduction? How long you've been practicing and a bit about your journey through massage therapy up till now oh my gosh okay so as soon as you said how long you've been practicing i'm like oh my god i've got to do the math i have to do the math backwards i graduated in 2006 perfect that's all you need yep you graduated okay. in 2006 yeah you got it you guys can do the math if you want to know <laughs> and, you and even math. if we don't do the math it's okay it's okay that's, that time. sounds like a long time ago it's a long time ago <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so you were relatively new when i met you then because like i said it was somewhere between 2008 and 2010 that i would have met you yeah. 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 That is, I guess that's new. Feels like a long time. Like once you get past that first year, it's like a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Um, so yeah, so I've been practicing for that long. And, uh, and what was the next question? My journey? Like what, how? Yeah, you just school? a little bit of background. Sutherland Chan. What made you decide Sutherland Chan? My mom went to Sutherland Chan. My really? mom's an RMT as well. That's pretty cool. I don't know yeah. if I've ever met anyone who like followed in their parents' footsteps so to do I this. So I didn't want to at all. I didn't want to follow in my mom's footsteps, but because she was an RMT, it was an it was now an option. Like I don't was think it, was your mom doing this <laughs> was were you a kid when your mom was an RMT? No. So your mother was doing this kind of later in life? Yeah. What was she doing before? If you if you remember uh, like or you office don't have to admin? Say. And she just do you do you know why she decided RMT? No. Never asked, eh? Oh, I should ask her. <laughs> <laughs> and you never wanted to be an RMT watching your mother be an RMT? No. Okay, I so left then how, home how when, well, I left home when she was in school for massage therapy. So it was like, it was a big, because she, it was just our family just went into chaos at that point of time. Okay. So I was like, ugh, I'm out. But I did get- How old were you in this? 15, 16. So you took off at 15, 16? No, that's cool. I feel like that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> so your family's exploding from the inside yeah and you're like fuck this i'm out of here yeah did anyone say no you're not fucking 15 16 year old you're no. staying right here no or they were too busy in the, the chaos of it all to no be like, i think it all like were and like look you know when you look back on things and yeah. you're like wow that all just worked out right the way it was supposed so to. so where do you go at 15 16 so 
Uh, so I went into a program. I lived in Markham at the time, and I went into yeah. a program for kids with um, housing crises. It sounds like really intense, but it, it was actually a really beautiful experience. It's interesting that they have that in Markham, Ontario. Yeah, it was. And it it's you wanna you wanna talk about about this whole tiered program? I, I would love talk. to learn. Okay, yeah. so there was this tiered program and you went into the first, there's three houses yeah. that, that were a part of this kind of housing structure. Yes, structure. System. Um and the first house was um for like like all sorts of there's emergency situations. There right. was one room that was reserved for children's aid society kids that were being brought in. Right. There, there, there was like intense stuff, and I was like, "Whoa, this is pretty intense." But I also couldn't be where I where I was. Right. So, uh, and there was the staff that were there were um, on twenty four hour surveillance. We got checked in the night. Like it was just everything was like really about safety. Yeah. Um, and it was there that I learned like we had life skills. So we had to we had to look up recipes we were responsible for dinner um once a week and we had to like write everything down that we wanted to to have for our lunches and all of that kind of stuff like we all worked together as a community and then they would bring in people in the community to teach us about like there's like obvious sex ed stuff but we had mm -hmm. um bank like people from the bank come in and talk about budgets right. we talked about all sorts of things whatever we wanted to learn about we they had an expert come in and talk to us so so it really sets you up because their their idea is that these kids that are coming here are probably just going to be then going yeah. out into the world. So let's like give you what, what you can. Can I pause you for a second? Mm -hmm. While you were living in this house and learning life skills, were you still in school or like leaving home meant leaving high school? No, I was still in school so you were, at that point. Okay. So you were going to school. Okay. Yeah. So then once you grab the, the second house, the second kind of tier of this responsibility, like you're building up responsibility, was this other, this house number two, and it was females only. And the staff there were on three days on, two days off, and they could sleep. So we weren't like being watched. Um, and so, and then we, we worked together as a community, all of the girls that lived there, and that was, okay. yeah. Sorry, when you decide this is where you're did you decide this is where you're going to go? Like, how do you end up here? Did you, when you left, mm -hmm. did you know where you were going to go? Um, no. So how did you end so, up? So yeah, I did. So, so first I left and I went to a friend's house okay. and that was like untenable. We couldn't do that. Couch and then surfing. I went and I lived with my dad for, gotcha. a, for maybe just under a year. Okay. And then that didn't work. I came back and then. Um, and then my mom and I, so my mom was living, my mom wasn't living in our house at the time. Okay. She was kind of part-time. She had a house downtown that she rented yeah. because she was in school. So it was near the school and she was there during the week and then home on the weekends. Okay. And then her and I, we had a talk and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Like I can't, I can't do this right, anymore. Right. Um, and so we, she, she helped me like figure it out. Okay. So and that's how you end up. That's how I ended up. So, she gave me kind of three options. So then a couple things then. Do your friends, you had friends in high school? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, yeah, I did. Did your friends in high school know that this is what's going on with you? Yeah. Cool. Supportive? Sure. As like as supportive as people can be when they have no idea what's going on. Like, okay. You, every, you know. And then uh, when you're different. when you're in this <laughs> this housing system, mm -hmm. do you make friends at places like this? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it was great. And actually, one of my best friends. Lifelong friends? We still connect. Yeah, yeah, we're still connected for sure. And one of my friends at the time started dating one of the girls that I was living with. Like, it was just, right, right, we right, all right. kind of hung out together. It becomes your new crew because they know what you're going through. Yeah. Right? So you, you now have people that like get it. And then you have your other friends that don't get it that you can kind of escape into. Right. Yeah. And then once that happens, then there's there's a, this other house, the third house where only three people can live in. Okay. And there was no staff there. So it was kind of like it's like the slow release method right, into, right, into right. like real life. Um, and there we paid rent. We paid a percentage of our income, mm -hmm. um, which is nice because if you're not making anything, you don't have to pay. Um, and then. Uh, and the staff, we had a, a meeting once a week where we could kind of talk about issues and they could help us resolve mm -hmm. problems or whatever it is. And then from there, I, I actually went to Australia after that and traveled for a year. What made you? What it made was you? the furthest place away that I could Just think of. Just to get the hell out. Yeah, I always thought Tasmania was the furthest place away from Toronto. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go there. 
go there, go there to, <laughs> to escape, go there to heal, go there to start over, go there for, or do you not even know? Just, I think probably just to escape. Just, yeah. I wanted to travel. I always wanted to travel. And I thought for, I was like, I'm going to go to the furthest place hmm. I can go. At the time, did the escape work for you? Yeah. It was great. And actually, it was then that I decided to become a massage therapist. I was in a little town called Byron Bay. And I was like, I was in this kind of hostile commune kind of thing. And I started meeting people in that in that sort of, that were all kind of aligned in healing. But it was more of like the Reiki healing and, mm-hmm. and sort of like that energetic work. And so I had some just really strange experiences where I wasn't one to to really believe in that kind of stuff. But then I had enough really weird. Like what? Like you can feel it. Like I don't even, you know, it could have been. Yes. Give me an example if you can. Because I've had Reiki like three times. And before that I was like, this is bullshit. And then I kind of warmed up to the idea and then I did it. And then I liked it. And I did it again and I liked it. And I did it again and I liked it and it works for me. Yeah. So what. Well, you can feel heat. You can feel. And if there's like a meditative quality to it, I can. I'm I'm one of those people that can be easily hypnotized. Like I'm like, I go in, I Mm. go deep. And so I just find, I found that I went into myself and it could have been because it was like the escapism. Maybe Mm. I was there in general just to escape. And then I get this platform where it's like deep healing and you meet these people that are really into that and and caring and loving strangers basically Mm. that you can kind of open up to you can be a version of yourself that maybe you weren't able to be in other parts of your life and then there's just this confluence of all of that that comes together and and there's like a release that happens in your mind Mm -hmm. right but i also felt like you could feel heat from people and Mm -hmm. you can you know you start to think things and see things it like unlocks this this part of your brain that's been kind of trapped. I was, I wouldn't say I was skeptical because I don't, I don't think I'm skeptical of anything. I think, you know, I'm somebody that like, if you tell me like you had this experience, I'll be the person that's like, cool. Like I believe you and what it was, I might not know, but like, I'll believe you. But before ever having a Reiki session, I don't think I knew what to expect. I think I envisioned it being like, I lay there, I don't feel anything. It's just, you know, and then maybe some sort of healing happens like, you know, at a cellular level that I don't even notice. Like I wasn't sure what to expect. Right. And so I go to this Reiki session the first time. And when the practitioner was sitting by my shoulder, I don't know where her hands were. My eyes were closed, but she was sitting. I know she was sitting there. I could feel her like beside my shoulder. And I started to smell something like this very familiar smell. And I like couldn't put my finger on it right away. And I was like, what is the smell? What is the smell? And then partway through the session, I realized like, oh, this is like reminding me of the smell of um, my grandparents ranch house up north when they used to live there. I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Later on, she tells me that she like felt this presence when she was sitting by my shoulder and she starts describing this and I was like oh my god like again I don't know what really took place right but, but I was like so the smell was familiar and then she's describing my grandmother and then she's telling me about this nickname that I'm like she would have never known that like how would she know? anyway so the whole thing was just like whoa I don't know what just happened but something happened yeah that's what I'm saying it's like I don't get it but it just made me feel something different where it just wakes you up to this whole other, it's like you saw behind the curtain, you know, and you're like, oh, there's this whole other thing that's happening that you don't need to understand, but you can like it. And even if it is just like a really great nap time, (laughs) like there's also something to be said about that. Yeah. Right? I don't know. So I met all these- Have you ever taken mushrooms? Yes. Is it is it is it similar? I've never taken mushrooms, so is it a similar kind of? When I say it's similar, I mean about the whole actualization or realization stuff, or the opening behind the. I've seen behind the curtain because that's what made me think of it when you said that. Yeah, you know what? In that in that essence, I guess it is sort of. Yeah. It just like drop something drops. Yeah, like yeah. I, I think I think everybody puts up uh, like a bit of an armor and a little right. bit of a a barrier, and no matter you know, I, I think that everybody has different versions of themselves. Yeah. And there's the, there's like the business one that comes out here and there's the, the party one that comes out here and there's, you know, you just like, you, you lean into different facets of yourself depending on the situation and it's an adaptive strategy and it's, and it's beautiful. Um, but I think that there's this moment in time where it's either like a part of you 
is actualized or a part of you is recognized or mm. maybe like you're more of yourself is together. Like I'm not sure really what that is. I haven't thought that much about it. I just was like, oh yeah. I feel like in those good. moments when you drop that, when you drop a layer, that layer's gone permanently. Like you can't get it back even if you wanted to. I feel like you've just, it's a, even if it's a small minor change, then it's just a change and it's a permanent change almost. I think that it doesn't necessarily have to be a permanent change because mm. habits and, and, and right, that right, kind right. of stuff becomes challenging, but it's like you can't unsee it. Yeah. Right? Okay. That's a better way to so say it. So you can still like tuck that away, but you know it's there now. Right, right, right. Is that the fear for you? Because he's it the fear for me? from the from the day yeah. I met him, it was always like he's like I would never do I anything. I don't necessarily want to do things that it will like really alter. Yeah, he's the not way into I the idea things. of psychedelics. He won't. He won't even do a float tank because he's no. scared of the sensory deprivation unlocking part of his brain that he thinks it's, is supposed it's, to be it's, locked. It's, it's, uh, it sounds goofy, but I just I'm very content with the way I think and, and view the world and view myself. And I don't think I'm ready to 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 have that pulled out from underneath me yet, hmm. if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah, one day maybe, but until then, I'm quite happy. Or maybe not, man. Just do you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one day I think I want I want the the blanket pulled off, or to see what's under the blanket. I'm way. But I'm not too, ready. For I'm that. way too curious. I'm like I need to know no, all man, the I things. No, I don't want to know that. Although it's interesting that I say that because I market, I think similarly on certain things, but then I think like we have certain things we think very I think, differently listen, about. I think <laughs> I think for you to get a full benefit of something like that, you have you don't have to. But if you're going to really benefit, I feel like you have to be really self aware. So you already know all parts of you, all the way your the way you operate and the way you view the world and everything else. That way you can pick up on anything different or anything new until I know myself 100% then to me there's too many variables in the mix like was that really mine you're incredibly was, self-aware I but I'm Can not you fully really there know yourself 100% if you haven't taken the blanket off no no but at least I'll know the self that I'm that I'm 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 meant to know uh, uh, you know on like filtered does that make sense I just think that there's so many lenses that 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 change the way we see things right like mm -hmm. so, absolutely you know, I, I see the world through like my particular experiences and all of those experiences kind of, I always think of it like, you know, when you go to an optometrist and they put those little lenses down, yeah. how about now? How about now? How about now? How about now? Which one's better? This one, this one, this one, this one, right? right. And I, feel I just like, literally got optometrist anxiety while she was doing that. So I'm like, I don't know, do it again. I don't know which one's better. Do it again. They're the same. <laughs> but it just like every experience that you have puts this little lens down and it's yeah. like, I see the world this way now mm -hmm. because I've had that experience. And and whether that experience was maybe traumatic or maybe that experience was beautiful, it's it's an experience. And yeah. my lens pattern is different than your lens Absolutely. pattern. And so and that that goes outward the way you see the world and the and the way you're projected out into the world but also the way you see yourself right yeah so the way so as you're saying this i i this is how well i know myself where i'm really predictable when it comes to certain things like i'll have this experience and then i know how that will make me see the world or not see the world or change me and then i'll have a, an experience that's very similar and then I know it'll have the same type of effect on me. So like, I kind of know like what I bring in, what it does to me, whether, you know, even though there's slight differences in all of them, but I'm still not fully there yet. But anyway. Well, that's sorry. what I was saying, how I feel like we have certain things we think the same on, certain things we oh, think man. very differently. And again, because obviously we've had different lives, different experiences, but I've said to him more recently, I think a lot of things have happened in the last, like, you know, decade or so that have made me look at a lot of things very differently. And I've actually said to him, like, as much as I am a curious person, and I like to understand things, I'm like, sometimes ignorance really is bliss. Like there's some things that may so I, I can understand you not wanting to fully take off the blanket, because sometimes, like Megan said, you can't unsee things, you can't unfeel things, you can't forget, like, things have happened that have just made me look at the world very differently. And I'm like, Oh, maybe it would be nice if I could just, you know, go back to taking things at face value and not be stressed about X, Y, and Z. See, this is how I know I'm getting there because I get surprised less and less. Mm -hmm. Something will happen. I'll experience something. I'm like, I'm not surprised by that. Something will happen. I'll experience something. I'm like, mm, not really surprised by that. And they're very different things. And I'm like, mm, not surprised. So I'm almost at the point where I'm ready to take the blanket off. <laughs> Do you think that, that happens with age though? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's like not every person, but most people. I think, I think there 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 comes a time when you when you really start to understand your mortality, 
and then then and, and, and you're at one and you're at peace with it mm-hmm. and then that's when these things start to happen so i had another experience that so i was talking about this this experience with the reiki which is led a path to the massage therapy thing it's like there's a lot more steps in there but yeah. also i had a very similar experience that got me into yoga so you had your experience with yoga mm-hmm. um i I was 14, I think, at the time, and I saw in the Now magazine that there was a yoga class in this church basement at uh, Spadina and Spadina and Bloor. And I said to my friend, I'm like, well, let's go. And I thought it was going to be yoga, like the way we think about you, like yeah. more of like the, the asana, the physical practice. So we got our jogging pants on and we go to this church basement and we went in and they gave us what I now know is mala beads, these wooden beads. And I thought, oh, wicked, we get, it's a free class and we get a necklace. This is great. <laughs> so we went in and there's all these chairs and I was like, okay, well, I don't, maybe we'll have to put the chairs away to do this, this yoga class, this kind of exercise class. And then we sat down and we started chanting mm. and it was the like chanting to Krishna. It was, it was a kirtan essentially where it was a call and response. And I was like, well, I looked at my friend, we're 14 and I was like, what the, what the heck is this? Like what? is this because it's krishna and what did yeah. i get us into I'm, like i don't want the beat so i just want to go now. i'm like god <laughs> what is this this is what and then we just kind of shrugged we were like all right well let's do it let's do this and we just were like give me a tambourine like i wanted like let's i'm in i'm in all the way i just jumped in and we were singing and it was like this whole rising came up in your body and you know when you do something that you're kind of nervous about and you're just like f it I'm going to do it. And there's this tingle where you're like, you almost want to laugh or like something's exploding a little bit in you and you just feel this heat. Um, And so that happened. And so we did it. It was an hour. Looking back on what happened, it was basically a breath, like a breath work practice, right? So when you're chanting, there's just this like constant, the vibration, which works with Vegas, like that's all vagal tone stuff. Um, You're looking at the breath experience. You're looking at like being in community. And anyways, we got out of that. And, you know, we just had this experience, right? I looked at her. I was like, what was that? And then we looked around and everything was technicolor. Like the whole world around us was brighter, beautiful. And I was like, I feel high. Like I feel (laughs) really high. And it was chanting. Mm. And that's when I was like, what is this yoga thing? If that's yoga, like what? what is this? And so I started getting books. I started getting this. And this was when in the time in Toronto where there was like two yoga studios in the whole city. I like can't even imagine that. There's yoga studios literally everywhere now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's when I started practicing. I was like, well, let's find this. And it's kind of like you're kind of chasing that feeling, right? I'm like, I want the Technicolor. Where's the Technicolor? And it's, and, and yeah, so that's, that to me was, was like the that point of yoga where I was like, wow, it is like I saw behind the curtain of that. I was like, that is what that is what this practice is about. Imagine seeing life in Technicolor. That is so cool. Yeah. Anyway, so then you're just chasing that feeling forever. <laughs> I understand that. Do you so get it back? Do you get glimmers you of it? Yeah. Get glimmers of it. I think. I think. You know, it's, it's, you kind of think of it like in a relationship, you know, you get that first, like, Mm. you get that, like, that, that infatuation phase where it's like, oh, I just like lying. And then you get, you're in a relationship for a while and you're like, I like this comfort. Mm. (laughs) It's kind of like that. (laughs) It changes a little bit. It changes, but still good. Yeah, totally. So I want to go back to, you're now in Australia with these healers. Okay. Yes. And, and so you decide you're I'm going to be a massage there. No, I didn't. I was just like, I like this. This is what I like this. I like this, this way of being. I like this, this openness with people. And, um, and it changed the way I was traveling. Um, and so I, I just became, uh, more open, less, less restricted, less confined. I started hitchhiking. I hitched across the country and across New Zealand and I had really beautiful experiences. Thank God. Oh my gosh, if my parents are listening to this. I was going to say, Mark's about to lecture you and say, that's how girls no, die. I'm not going to lecture you. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I didn't die. Don't do this. Well, don't, don't hitchhike. It was a long time I don't ago. know. I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> what's that guy's name? David Cho, something Cho. Shit, man. He's an artist. He's the dude that, that 
I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he's the dude that ended up with a whole bunch of Facebook stock. He's an artist, mm-hmm. and um, and he's really into like just kind of being a free spirit. And he used to make money in Vegas. Like this is how he was a big gambler. So he'd sell some artwork, and then he'd go to Vegas and he'd double his money. And so he just could keep going back and forth to Vegas and making tons of dough and doing all this kind of stuff. I think I'm hopefully I'm getting the story right. Any which way. He's also traveled the world with thumb up. Like that's how he got around. He's like, I was. He's lived all over the world, and he's literally done it all by hitchhiking. He's got the craziest fucking stories. So I'm really interested. You, meet just, the you must meet the craziest people. But for me, because I look like I look like a little girl. I was gonna say she's like a so teeny in- tiny girl, and if you can, Im- I mean, this is Megan as an adult. Yeah. We're talking now, like years ago when she was a little kid. Like, yeah. I mean, not a little, but you were what, like nineteen? Yeah. She's a kid. Look at her now. I won't say how old she is, but I mean, I can do math. And <laughs> so tell me <laughs> you how this imagine works. Imagine when you look like a 19. Tell me how this works. So people would pick me up because they were worried for my safety. And they're like, <laughs> get in the car. What are you doing? Where do you need to go? And is, I'm like, is that, sweet. <laughs> is that the majority of? Uh... Yeah, pretty much. People were trying to save me from myself. And you would get picked up where and dropped where? Uh, just kind of usually wherever they were going. Okay. So I had sort of a destination in mind. I want right. to go in this direction. but So what makes you decide the destination? Or is it just literally like I'm looking at a map going, mm, this looks fun? Yeah, or I wanted to do something. So when I was in okay. Australia, I wanted to get up to to the place where I could learn how to scuba dive. I gotcha. learned how to scuba dive on the Great Barrier Reef. And so I got there and then I did this this boat tour. And I was like, oh, I love this boat tour. I'm going to work on a boat now. So I went and I got a job as a as a host, which was you just doing answered a, my question. I was about to say, how, how does do this nineteen-year-old, how does this nineteen-year-old girl who left home have money to do all of this extravagant oh, no. stuff? <laughs> I was just going to say when you were talking about this artist guy, I'm like, oh, I did not have money. There was no like Vegas and doubling the money, <laughs> be like doubling the five to the ten. You know, <laughs> I got to look that up. Maybe I should that up. I don't think I did, but go ahead. But yeah, so I then I was like, oh, I want to do this. So I went and I got a job on a boat. I was a vegetarian at the time. I never cooked like really without a rent I didn't know anything but the guy that I ended up working the man who owned the boat that I worked for looked identical to my grandfather and so I was instantly com- like comfortable talking to him um, and it was really interesting you want to hear a strange parallels at that time that I was working on the boat actually my grandfather died in back home in in, in Montreal and I was like oh man like I but I didn't find out until afterwards because I was on this boat and it was before like r- really there's no like Wi-Fi, right? <laughs> you know, it was like before all of that, and uh, so anyway, so I met this person, and I and I got a job on the boat, and I I figured it out. I learned how to scuba dive. Wow, I worked on the Whitsunday Islands. By the way, I'm just listening to all of this, and I'm like, you know, I mean. This is going to sound so stupid and so obvious, but you know, you meet someone, you have no idea what their backstory is. You know, 12 years ago, I met Megan as a yoga instructor. Oh, she owned the studio. You know, she just seemed like this very typical Toronto based yoga instructor. And now I'm learning like all of these things about you. And I'm like, wow, you've had, you've had a fascinating life. Like this is nine, I'm not 19 in this. Story. I know, right? <laughs> you're still, you're still a kid. We're, oh my god, that's pretty much it. All the, and it just gets kind of, <laughs> got a job after that, and like one thing led to another. But you learned how to scuba dive in the Great Barrier Reef. That's pretty awesome. Oh, my mom's a scuba diver. I, my mom and I have a lot of parallels, even though I tried not to. Um, but she was like, Megan, leave it to you, man. She's a scuba diver, and she like learned in the pool and in, in Markham, you know, and like <laughs> this kind of. She's like, of course, you learned on the Great Barrier Reef. <laughs> At any moment when you're doing all this stuff, do you ever have moments of like, fuck, I I just got to get out of here. Like, this is not safe for me. Like, do you have those? Because right now it sounds sounds like everything was great. Everything worked out. I met some really lovely people. I learned to do some stuff. Look, I got some jobs. Do you know what I mean? Was there any moments of like, holy fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to hear one of those stories? Yes. So I was picked up by... And I was traveling with a friend at this point, um, a, a dude. And where do you meet this dude? I met him in. That's a whole other story. <laughs> I met him in in Australia. Okay. And then I was like, okay, I'm going. I'm going to New. I'm going to New Zealand. And he's like, okay, well, I'll meet you there. I'm where's like, where? Where's he from? He's from England. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. Uh, so he we met and we 
he was actually a really great musician and we we were busking for money okay. we meaning like he was and i was like You're just chatting people up trying to get right. them to give him money <laughs> you're there <laughs> pointing to the case yeah the I was like, yeah. um uh so we ended up traveling together i wanted to get south and uh and we were picked up by this person and i think that he was maybe drunk Okay. I'm not entirely sure, okay. but we were in the car and we were going and then I was like, oh, how do you get out? Like, how yeah. do I get out? And it was this part of stretch of the road that was like mountainous. It was like switchbacks. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're totally going to die. And then we had to stop at this little town and I don't know what's going on, but now we're in this like, this like village, um, and I was like, okay. And I think that there was maybe a drug deal going down and we're in this car and then we had to go in and like have cake and coffee with like somebody's grandmother. And I was like, oh my God, we're going to die. Oh my God. We're going to die. Like what is happening here? But it didn't. It worked out fine. You see, and this is where, but this is also a place where everyone's speaking English, right? Yeah. My biggest fear is something like this in a place where no one speaks the language I speak and I understand nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we'd make a different decision if that was the case right maybe we would have taken a bus but yeah, yeah. I don't know this sounds like a movie and suddenly we're in somebody's grandmother's house eating cake <laughs> yeah right. and I think that while, there's while, a drug dealer deal going exactly. bad outside while there's like human trafficking happening outside you know slaves <laughs> could have been anything slave, slaves are being traded and you but then we know. got back in the car like honestly I'm like oh my yeah. god just I need to get now I need to get away from this place and so I'm like well he's you know it's like this guy I know this guy he's gotten us this far so we went with him and and he got us to the other side and it was it actually was fine he was great a little you know a little crazy but hmm. we got there and then the next person picked us up picked us up because I had a Canadian flag on my backpack as all Canadians do because we're like we're the nice guys right yeah. Um. so she picked me up and she's like oh I remember I, she traveled through Canada when she was my age and she remembers it being like just such a one so she was paying it forward so she picked us up brought us back to this gorgeous place and we had a hot shower and she put like hot water bottles at the foot of our bed and Aww. made us dinner and mm. I got to watch TV, which I hadn't watched TV in like months. And uh, and we had this beautiful dinner. She packed a lunch for us in the morning and brought us to the other side of town so we didn't have to like navigate our way through town and put us at the other side of the road. It was like, the mom was like mm. clean. We washed our, our all of our clothes. We had like temperature controlled shower. I was like, oh my God, this lady was like an angel. <laughs> so I also had those experiences. <laughs> <laughs> I know. If at any point when you're hanging out with your commune community there and someone offered you like $50,000 to take these drugs in a bag and fly here. Oh, no, that's just crazy. I'm just wondering. No. Got to draw the line somewhere. Because okay. <laughs> I, I, well, I've seen that TV show that used to come on. Um, uh, locked up abroad or something like that. It's, it's everyone that's a drug mule. And a lot of the story is this, by the way, is like I was just traveling and I didn't really have... Yeah, but remember, like, I grew up in this like home, right? We had life skills. No, that's true. <laughs> yeah. that's true. An expert came in. <laughs> and like, yeah. and I was living with with kids that yeah, yeah. came from like a lot... Like there's, it was eye-opening yeah. of what was going on in like oh, a seen, lot of different you crazy, communities. You <laughs> So I'm, I may look like this, like this, like this, like young naive person, but I'm like I've seen some stuff. Yeah, so at no, this point, I'm like, ah, you know, maybe I shouldn't have gotten into that car with that dude. But also, it makes for a great story. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe also seeing this stuff makes you feel more comfortable with it. It's not not familiar to you. I've heard the stories, or I've you know whatever mm -hmm. the case is. Hmm. Interesting. And I think I mean, I was listening to a podcast recently that was talking about like our. Are people, how do you see the people? Are people generally good or are people generally bad? Like humanity in general. Okay. And I think that like I came from, I came from this, this upbringing where like you could be really jaded, right? Like you could, you saw, you saw stuff, you know, yeah. you saw stuff, you were aware of stuff. Like I was in that first house, like we had to sign out the, the saran wrap because of the serrated edge, like there was like people, we couldn't use the knives without supervision. Like mm -hmm. you just, it was just for safety of general safety, but I've never, like that was never a part of my world before that. Like mm -hmm. even knowing that this was, 
this is a, like a concern. I'm curious how you guys would answer that question. Do you think people are generally good yep. or generally bad? No, I think most people are generally good. Most people are generally good. I agree. I just wanted to see what you guys thought about that. I think that it's very easy to feel like people are bad mm. if you are watching what's online and if you're listening to the echo chamber of complainers, yeah. because that's the people who are the loudest, it's right? Stupid. When you meet people in the world, like when I'm my day to day life, people I meet are generally wonderful people. Mm-hmm. But like if you if you are a person who stays home and like watches TV oh. and just focuses on what's happening online, you could very easily think like the world is full of fucking horrible people. If you scroll through TikTok all day, the world is full of horrible people. If you go just outside, look at, that's just silly. Just it's look at, good. <laughs> just look at just look at your own friends list. The majority of the people on your friends that are your friends are good people and you got the couple that are fucking assholes and they're mean and they're and they're motherfuckers. And that's yeah. generally society then. Like I'm I'm a pretty good sample of that, you know. Of these 10 people that I know really well, eight of them are really nice people and two of them are fucking dicks. <laughs> Right. So why wouldn't that just generally be the rest of the world? 80% you're saying <laughs> are nice people. 80%, 80% are good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Two out of 10. Right? I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think the majority of people. I think so too. And I mean, Megan's kind of like living proof of this. She hitchhiked as a small when little I say, child. When I, say, I take that back. It's, like, yeah, it's crazy. When I say nice, I, I, I don't mean like 80% like, uh, like really nice people. I just mean 80% are not dicks. Right, so you have dicks, and then you have not dicks, and of the not dicks, there's like people that are really nice, and there's a way down here there are people just they're just indifferent about the world and anything, but they're just not dicks. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it doesn't. Well, we can talk about indifference. I think that goes into a different category, mm. though. One of the big things that we've been talking about in my family, like my 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 partner and our kids. Well, we talk to our kids about it. They have they listen because. Because they have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mom's talking again. <laughs> oh, there she is talking about don't use plastic. Um, but we, we talk about the world and my partner, he's he's feeling pretty jaded right now about with climate change. And and he looks around. He's like, he's like, look at these people. We're all, we have no hope. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. And I'm pretty sure my storage locker right now is filled with lentils in case of like the apocalypse that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I haven't gone down to look because I'm like convinced. I'm like, oh my God, it's going to be just lentils. <laughs> lentils and dried beans. Don't worry, we have lentils and dried beans I'm as well. Good. I'm a little bit like your partner. I'm a little bit crazy sometimes. I I stuck up. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And he's yeah. so, so, but he looks around and he's like, he, you know, you see people idling in their car or you see just like excess happening everywhere. And he's like, we have no hope. We have no hope for humanity. Like, what's it going to take for people to to use less and to participate more in in like healing of the earth? And I'm like, man, it's I don't know. I can't answer that. But like, I can't also be depressed by it either. When uh, Mother Nature and the Earth are ready, they're just going to get rid of everyone that's fucking it up and start over again. <laughs> It's the way it goes, yeah. right? So, that, your, so therefore, it doesn't make you depressed. Um, six and three. And so, I mean, when you guys are having these, I assume your partner's not saying to them, so kids, we're all going to die. Like, how does a conversation about the world look like at your house? So we talk a lot about like about usage, you know, like kids always want, like, I want that big dinosaur for my birthday. <laughs> Arlo's birthday is coming up. And uh we looked at him and we're like, dude, like, I know that that's big and that looks like fun, but you actually don't play like that. My, he's, he's a builder. Like give him like a Lego set and he'll, he'll build it and then he'll take it apart and rebuild it and modify it and split it into many. Like he's, he, and he said to me once, he's like, mom, I, he's like, I don't like to play with the stuff. I like the building part is more fun. Right. So I'm like, I know you want this ginormous T-Rex that's like five feet tall. What the heck are you going to do with that? So we're just like, dude, you, you don't <laughs> like, I know that that like looks fancy and big and it's like bragging rights, but like, well, then where, do you, where are you going to put that? You know, like, that is really smart because kids want everything. And you always see parents or hear parents complaining, like you buy your kids presents and then, you know, three weeks later, it's been thrown into a corner. It is really smart to know your kids, know what they like, know how they play. Like our kids They've got a bin of small little characters, thousands of them. 
because that's actually what they like to do. Like they don't care about like big dolls. and I mean, they like to sleep with stuffed animals sometimes, but they like to create little Any way scenes. that they can role play. Yeah. Whether it's with toys or themselves, they, they, they like role playing. So yeah, if they were to ask for something like that, yeah, like a big five foot type of toy, it wouldn't make sense for them. Right. We know that it would be fascinating for three weeks. So I think that's really smart is actually like making your kids recognize that too, because then they're going to stop asking for things that just don't make any sense. Or they get used to hearing it so much where it's like, dude, and they're like, okay. You know, like, <laughs> okay. They just thought I'd dry. <laughs> but you're, you're not having a tantrum about it, you know? Yeah. And we also made a rule that we never buy them things at the store when they see it. Like You never... There's no like checkout. I want that. And they no get impulse it. buying. Never. Yeah. We've never, there's never ever in the history of ever. And there never will be in the future. That's smart too. And I feel like that was something, I mean, I wouldn't say we've never bought them something the day of, um, because I happen to know that last week Mark took them into Dollarama because they were pissing me off in the grocery store. I'm trying to figure out what we're going to eat. We're up north and I'm trying to figure out what we're going to eat for the next three days. And like, you know, I've got my meal plans and I'm trying to make sure I have all the proper ingredients because I'm not at home. So there's there's also some things I maybe don't just have, right? I might have to buy spices. So I'm like really focused and trying to figure out, okay, what do we need? And I'm cold. I'm thirsty. I have to pee. I'm like, oh my God. He goes, I'm going to take them to Dollarama. So that day they both got to choose a toy from Dollarama to get the hell out of my way. But in general, when we go out and go to the store, they know like we're here, we're looking, go ahead, knock yourselves out. Look at every toy in the store. You're not getting anything. Never. And they're pretty okay with that. So there's never been like a tantrum in the store because they didn't get something because most of the time you're not getting anything. You're not. We're just, just looking. Let's just be clear. I'm you're going to buy paprika. It. You're not getting a Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so we're just trying to, we, and we talk about when we're like this, you know, even at the grocery store, they're like, I want this. And we're like, it's got, they want the individual yogurts. Like yeah. the flavored yogurts. We're like, no, we buy the, like if we're getting yogurt, we buy a big tub of the plain one and we add, you know, we do all yeah, the add things. Add your stuff, yeah. And we're like, no, because it's too much waste. We can't, it's too much plastic. We can't. They're like, but I really want all of those like squeezy tube things. We're like, we can't, we just can't do it. Mama Earth doesn't like it. It's like, okay. That's good. So they're going to grow up understanding excess. I, that's... There's so much excess. I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I'm sitting here with a Tim Hortons cup because I didn't have time to make my own coffee this morning. And there are people who do this multiple times a day. Well, it's right? tricky too because with COVID, after COVID, it like that changed where you weren't allowed to bring. You can't even bring your own, yeah, reusable. I don't know. Have they changed that back yet? Yeah, I think so. I think it's like, it's 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 arbitrary, I think. But I think it just changed the habit. Like if people got into the habit of bringing their travel mugs and whatnot, and then you get out of the habit, then you got to get into the habit again. It's like that habits, habits are a big one. Yeah. So we keep coming back and I, I got to do it because I need to know okay, since we yeah. started out by keep saying on track. <laughs> I didn't want to follow in mom's footsteps, but then I traveled, did some self-discovery, did some very dangerous things, but lived through it to tell the story. Yes. And now you're in Australia with these healers. At what point do you decide I'm going to become a massage therapist? Oh, so it wasn't until a lot after. I think that that was just, it put the tickle, you know, when it puts the option in your mind of something that can happen. I came back to Toronto uh, and then I, I started working in advertising. I got really into that world. Um, and then, you know, when you, yeah, I just got into that world and, and that's what I was doing for a while. And then I decided I didn't I didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't like it. I didn't like how um, how I thought that that was it. Like I didn't I know I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to work in production, but maybe I can work in post. Maybe I can. And I, maybe I'll go to account side. I'm like, wait a second. There's like there's like a whole I got really narrow and I just had to like break free of that and say there's a whole other world. So I, I went, um, I actually had my mom teach me, you know, I have to do the intro course. Mm -hmm. Um, I had my mom get approval to teach me the intro course. So I didn't have to go to the school and do it. We hung out for a bit. She taught me in that intro course, this one move that I still do today. And I teach everyone that I mentor this one, like shoulder blade tuck when like the client turns onto their back and you like tuck in the shoulder blade. My mom did that to me on this, this intro course. I was like, that feels like the way I'm supposed to be like, just like, 
postures set. That was like your your hands-on adjustments when I'm in yoga and you're like lengthening out my back by lit- literally, Mark, it, not in a creepy way. It sounds creepy. That's why I didn't say this. <laughs> but fingers. she would like use her hands so lightly and go from like the top of like my iliac crest all the and almost like actually like follow my lats like all the way up to like remind me like lengthen out your whole your whole body and I was like oh it was that like one little move of your hand that I'm like oh yeah that's how that's supposed to feel yeah so your mom would tuck your shoulder blade under my mom tucked my (laughs) shoulder blade under and I was like oh this is really cool and then uh yeah. So then she taught me that intro course. And then I went to the school and I did the other, there's two parts of it. And then I decided, yeah, I'm going to do this. So the reasons why I chose to do that is because I wanted to have my own business. Um, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to go to school where I didn't have to write essays. Fair. I wanted to work with, um, my hands. Like I wanted my, my own body to be a tool and, um, and I wanted to work with people one-on-one. I, I have, um, I don't do well with a lot of like chaos and noise. Um, so, uh, so quiet, kind of quiet, quiet places where I have a lot of control over the situation are, um, are good for me. And then Slow Medicine Company was yeah. born. When, how long have you owned that business? So, uh, so this is, this kind of came out. So it wasn't my first. So I used to own a company called, um, I created with my friend Kelly. Uh, it was called uh, Asha Massage and Ayurvedic Healing. And that's how I got into yoga teaching. So we had four, lo- we opened up in, in the Moksha Studios as the Moksha Studios were being built in Toronto. Um, we were offered space in each of the studios to build our clinic. So we had four clinics. And then um, Kelly went on to open up Moksha Yoga Guelph. And she's like, Megan, come with me, move to Guelph. And I was like, I don't even have my driver's license. Like I can't live in, in a, Guelph. In Guelph, <laughs> I can't. And she's like, well, I'm going. And and she's like, we could do this together. And I was like, I don't, I can't, I just don't want to. So then um, we sort of dismantled our company. At, like we kind of sold two and I kept two. And then I amalgamated when I bought the the Moksha studio on the Danforth, um, I amalgamated the, the, the clinic and the yoga studio together and it created it as one. And then I sold it as one. And then, um, and then I had Arlo and then I was like, Oh, I'm putting my, my certificate on hold. I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. And my partner at the time, he's like, Megan, can you, I was like six months in. He's like, I think you need to touch people. (laughs) You just need to, please go. (laughs) And I needed that. Were you just going stir crazy at home? Yeah. And and it's like, I I missed my clients. I missed my people. I missed my craft. I missed touching people. And like, and like I needed an outlet for that. Um, And so he's like, please go. So I, I covered a mat leave at my friend's clinic and I was like, yeah, I really like this. And then I started sort of building it back up. Um, cause I had this like really big business and then well, big for me, like a big, like big, small business, I suppose. And then, and then I had nothing and I was just me and Arlo, which was rad, but I needed like, I needed to reclaim myself. Right. And then, um, and so I started building like, so two nights a week and then it was like, got a little bit more. And then I, and then I was pregnant with Rowan. Oh, I built a, a yoga studio, yoga retreat center in the Bruce Peninsula. <laughs> in that wow. time. <laughs> yeah. So that was like a whole other kind of s- side project. More, mostly so Brad could put his feet in the dirt, really. Um, and I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to like bring people up and like teach them yoga. So we've created this whole thing. It was called Northern Love Project. We sold it because things got too busy. But anyway, so I was pregnant with Rowan and then I was like, oh, well, I can't just leave all of my my clients now. I'm going to go on mat leave, right? can't leave all my clients. So I took on an RMT. And when, <laughs> when that happened, I'm like, oh, I guess I have to like make this into a business because I can't have her clients like e-transferring my personal <laughs> account. Like it just doesn't feel great. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll create a company. And I chose the name because it was a workshop that I used to teach. Um, it was called Slow Medicine and it was really teaching people. Um, it was a yin yoga kind of class, but it would go from a very restorative pose um, 
where I talk about sort of the neurology and like what's happening in, in your body when you're at rest and when it's calm. And then I'd put them into really intense yin poses and talk about what's going on in like a stress response. And so I'd give them like, I'd, I'd create the conditions of stress and then I'd, and then I'd give them tools to help recover from that. And you can see that like that arc and that roll through the two. And so, and that was what it was called. It was called slow medicine. And so that's what I was like, well, I need a name. So that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so I called it slow medicine and I had Joanne um, was, was the RMT that I brought on board. And she started the day, her first day was the day Rowan was born. Oh my God. <laughs> I came in, I came in, like I got home from the hospital. I came in, Rowan was like in a little pouch in my shirt. And she's like, is that a babe? What are you doing here? But my clinic, like the space was across the street. So I was like, oh, it's, I just wanted to make sure you were good. Oh my <laughs> like, God. <what? laughs> um, and then from there, it just, it just grew. So then uh, yeah, I created the business because I didn't want the e-transfers going to my, <laughs> my personal account. That makes sense. I needed to have a good face. <laughs> so now Slow Medicine is a clinic and how many, how many of you are there? There are uh, seven, seven RMTs, four yoga teachers and a social worker. Okay. So what, what does the practice look like? Is it primarily massage therapy? Do you teach yoga classes regularly? Yeah. So it's predominantly massage therapy clinic because that's sort of like, that's our jam. Um, but I was really interested in, um, in, in a few things, like it's really kind of, kind of comes onto the, the really unsexy banner of self-regulation. <laughs> Right. And even choosing the name slow medicine for my company, like slow, the word is like a little bit unpopular, right? Like everyone wants to be the fastest, the, like the hustle, the, the, like there's a lot of our, our society puts a lot of um, spotlight on on the busyness and the bigness and the the fastness. That's the, that's what gets the awards. I'm like, well, I'm using a really unpopular word <laughs> right now. And like the whole premise of our practice is on like downregulation. So how can we create conditions for people to downregulate their nervous system? How do we do that through touch? How do we do that through movement? How do we do that through talk? like whatever it is. And what I found was missing from a lot of yoga studios, because I come from that world, was we talked about mind-body connection, but we didn't really, and maybe maybe the practitioners or the teachers embodied it, but it wasn't really in the business model, the mind-body connection. So like yoga studios talk about mind-body connection, but they only focus on the body really. And then maybe there's a meditative aspect and like you kind of get there on your own or like what you were saying is like, oh, just practice and it'll come. But there's not a lot of guidance on that. No. Right. And so and and because because the yoga teachers are trained in in really in in the body practice. So I wanted to create a space where where it really did kind of blend. I wanted to create a space where my team was regulated. So we like if you need a break, you take a break. Like I really wanted to create an environment where it was it was top down. It's like I want to make sure that the therapists are good. And so then they can teach their clients how to do that as well, how to create boundaries, how to how to take rest, how to do self-care, how to like all of those things. Um, so there's that piece. And then there was like building a community as well. Um, so a community within our team and then a community place where we have workshops that are not necessarily movement based. We have like um, what's coming up. We have a workshop that's creative, uh, like gratitude cards. So I have an artist coming in and teaching people how using collage on how to create cards of gratitude. So it's a gratitude practice plus an art practice. Um, I had a woman come in and do stitch journaling. So it's like hand teaching hand stitching as a form of meditation. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really cool. Create a stitch journal, like you make a fabric journal and you stitch as like a form of meditation. It was really beautiful. Um, and then we have uh, vision boarding, creative vision boarding coming up with our um, social workers leading that. So it's not just massage and yoga. No. It's and then everything's slow. Like you want to talk about slow, you're stitching your journal. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I want to, I think, you know, I wanted to capture, I wanted to have a place where people who, who, you know, don't want to do yoga 
can still come and participate and you can, you can, but then also you can maybe get into movement and meditation through those practices and, and see there's a lot of different ways. There's a lot of different ways that, that we can do yoga. Like maybe hot yoga is not your jam, right? And mm-hmm. so you find, and then you're like, Oh, I hate yoga. It's like, well, there's like 20,000 other ways to practice. So this. many ways, <laughs> you know, just you find the You may have the chosen what you say is an unpopular word, but it's, I wouldn't, I, I think unpopular is the wrong word. Not it's sexy. It's a word that <laughs> is slow, slowing down is something people, like, it seems, it seems like it should be instinctual, it should be common sense, like, you know, I need to rest, so you rest. Slowing down is something people don't know how to do. Um, I don't know if you heard the episode where I was talking about the first time I ever did restorative yoga, and I was like, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Like, I've never hated something more than I hated that first restorative yoga class I went to. It was like, who wants to stay this still for this long? Like, I was just going crazy. Because you have to actually, like, learn how to be slow. So you may have chosen something that you thought was unpopular, but I I feel like this is something that's really it's needed. needed. People yeah. need to know how to calm the fuck down and take care of themselves. Like all we are always doing is ignore like I'm I'm guilty of it myself. This hurts or this doesn't feel good. Ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. Just go about my day. Keep keep going. Oh yeah. And let me just be clear. Like I, I didn't I, I'm not an expert. In, in slowing down. I chose it because it's like a mindfulness bell. Every time I say the name of my company or, or I'm working on something, it's like, oh yeah, Megan, like do that. <laughs> do that. It's like the whole, like the, all of the things that I do in a day are geared towards helping people do this. I, I have to do it too. So it's like, it's like rem- reminds me every day reminds you to do slow. it. Slow. Yeah. Mark, you look pretty slow right now. You look good. <laughs> And then all of the movement practices we do are also like that, like the more chilled out stuff. So we do like yin yoga, restorative yoga. We have nidra. We have like sound bath stuff. Um, And each each practitioner brings something different. So in my classes, there's like a lot of massage and like hot towels and aromatherapy and that kind of stuff. Um, And then there's a woman who brings her crystal bowls and all the chimes and that kind of stuff. And that's beautiful experience. Um, yeah, so everyone brings something, um, something different to the table. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so glad I heard you on Krista's podcast and was able to find you after like over a decade yeah. because I've actually talked about you on episodes on here about <laughs> how I hated yoga till I met this one instructor <laughs> and now you're sitting on the couch. It's, it's full circle. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. Now you just got to come in for a class. Oh, I got to start doing <laughs> yoga again. <laughs> I know I keep saying that anyone who listens to us regularly is like Amanda's so full of shit. She's been saying she's going to get back into yoga for a year. (laughs) Hasn't happened yet. (laughs) This is your time. Well, maybe because Megan's here, I'll do it. Mark, do you have any other questions for Megan? No, thanks for coming though. This was good. Thanks for having me. You have a very interesting story. I was glad I, I'm glad I got to hear it finally. Yeah, you guys are really (laughs) good at like finding like that one rock to turn over. Right on. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.